I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Tonight's going to be completely, completely different than what we brought to you this morning. Uh, tonight's going to be a lot more like a Bible study, uh, and I'm going to really, uh, if you'll give me a little grace, I'm going to pay attention heavily to my notes tonight. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is going to be a little bit of a sort of mature Christian 101 tonight. So this is the kind of message that it wouldn't be anything wrong with bringing it on a Sunday morning. But this is definitely the kind of message that's geared toward our church folk, our, our church family tonight. And so um, I want you to give me a good, good hearing tonight if you would. And I know that you will. You're a great, great crowd to preach to. Uh, by the way, let me say this too, that... Um, uh, we're making updates all over the place. One of the things that we've done this week, uh, Brother Ricky's been working, and I appreciate that. He's been working on our church app as far as our missions is concerned. And he has got, I think, 10 of our missionary profiles. He has got them updated. And you can go on our, our church app now, and you can visit that missionary. You can see when their birthdays are. You can look at their prayer letter on the church app. Uh, you can uh, learn how to connect with them through their email, their phone numbers. Brother Ricky's had the opportunity to connect with about 10 of our missionaries this week personally, and uh, that leads me to a prayer request. Brother Gallion, Brother Eddie Gallion in the Philippines. Uh, Brother Gallion is in the hospital right now with COVID in the Philippines, and so please lift up Brother Eddie Gallion to the Lord, if you will. But go on there and check that out. It's, it, it's awesome. Uh, it's, it's great, and I think it's going to be a, it's gonna be a, a, a good uh, addition to the ministry. So when you find your place, let's all stand tonight. First uh, Peter chapter number two in your Bibles. We're going to read verses one through nine. First Peter chapter number two and verse number one. And Peter says here, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Now listen to, listen to the Bible. And God's word is speaking to us right now. And so understand that this applies to you and I. Look what he says in verse 5. Ye. So he's talking to you and I. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. And then he says, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. There's our title. To offer up spiritual sacrifices and notice what these spiritual sacrifices are. They are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Verse 9, but ye, there's that word again, 
but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So our key verses tonight are verse number five. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And then also verse number nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should, what should we do? We should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so for all of those who say that your Christianity is not supposed to be public, that's contrary to the word of God. And so people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in letting my Christianity be known. But that's contrary to what Scripture's teaching us here. The Bible says that we are a priesthood of believers. Now, what does that mean? A priesthood of believers. When we think about priest, we think about Catholic. But this is, that's not what he's talking about tonight. In fact, I'm going to tell you what it's talking about here in just a few moments. And so you may be seated tonight. And I want to talk to you about some spiritual sacrifices this evening. And, and so hang in there with me now. Don't turn me off here a little bit. All right. Don't turn the volume down. Keep the volume. Keep the volume turned up. And I, I'm not going to preach as much as I'm going to try to teach tonight. But I hope this will be a blessing. I hope it will help our church to grow a little bit. And so let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us tonight. Father, thank you for a wonderful day together. Great day. And we appreciate, again, we want to say how much we appreciate your presence. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. And so, Lord, we acknowledge, absolutely acknowledge. God, we can plan, we can prepare, we can organize. But, Lord, except you're here, it's not going to be what it's supposed to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you will please always stay here and stay in our midst. And Lord, we're praying that you'll continue to bless this ministry until the coming of the Lord. Father, help us tonight now. I pray that you'll teach us what I believe is a great lesson. I pray that you'll teach us a great lesson. And I pray that we'll, we'll leave here, Lord, being better Christians when we leave than we were when we entered earlier tonight. Help us, I pray now. Father, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that our blessed and wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, would receive praise and honor and glory from all that's done. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. amen. So 1 Peter 2 and verse number 5 mentions an holy priesthood and that holy priesthood is to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Verse number 9 talks about a royal priesthood and one that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you. One of the things that we believe at Calvary Baptist Church is something called the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer. Now, what exactly, what exactly does that encompass? What, 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 what's that talking about? Well, if, if I could try to help illustrate that, let me go back and let's use an Old Testament uh, illustration of New Testament truth. Within the tabernacle was a place called the Holy 
of holies. Now, again, if you can, uh, if you can envision in your mind uh, in that first part of the tabernacle would be the entrance where the priest would enter. And then there would be that, in, if this little section right here could uh, illustrate the, the outer, the outer part of the tabernacle. In that outer part of the tabernacle was something called the bronze laver. It was that place that the priest would go to and they would, they would wash. They would uh, have to completely cleanse themselves. They had to make sure that every part of their body was clean. And they would make sure their fingernails were clean. They would make sure their hands were clean. They had to make sure that they were ceremonially clean and pure before they offered the sacrifice. Some have said that bronze laver would, uh, as they would, would put their members up close to it, uh, it would magnify their members and make it larger to look at. That way they could see the little specks that they might need to, to clean out. Maybe there, was, uh, maybe there was dirt underneath a fingernail and that bronze laver would magnify that finger, that fingernail. And so they would cleanse that fingernail. Uh, also out here in this outer, uh, outer part of the tabernacle was something called the bronze altar. And that's where, of course, that sacrifice was, uh, was placed and the sacrifice was made. When you would go into the next compartment, if you want to call it that, it was something called the holy place. And in that holy place was a lampstand. And also in that holy place was what was called the table of showbread. And both of those were, uh, were positioned very carefully uh, in the holy place. When you would go into that third compartment there, this compartment was known as the holy of holies. Now this compartment was a little different. The priest could enter in, of course, the entrance. They could enter in and function in this outer part of the tabernacle. They could even go into this, uh, to this holy place. But this third compartment had a very significant meaning. And the holy of holies was what was known as the Ark of the Covenant. And on the top of that ark was what was called the mercy seat. By the way, solid gold. On that mercy seat were two cherubims facing one another, their wings outstretched over the top of the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant. And in this holy of holies, the priest would enter one time a year. Once a year, he would enter into this very holy place having to be completely, completely cleansed. Some scholars say that, that, uh, that, that I've heard this, that they would actually tie a rope to that high priest. He had on the bottom of his, uh, on the bottom of his robe, he had bales and pomegranates, a pomegranate and a bale, pomegranate and a bale. And as that priest would walk, you could hear him. You could hear the sound of the bells. If that priest were to walk into the Holy of Holies and... God struck him dead, then some traditions say that the people not able to enter the Holy of Holies would actually drag him out by using that rope. This is that compartment where the high priest once a year would enter in with the blood of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat to typify or to symbolize the atonement of the Lord. 
The Holy of Holies was that place where God's presence dwelt. It's called the Shekinah glory. God would come down in the cloud and he would hover over the, uh, over the ark, over the mercy seat. And so the Shekinah glory was in this holy, this place called the Holy of Holies. What's really uh, interesting about this is that this specific room, the Holy of Holies, was quartered off from the rest of the tabernacle by a veil. Or maybe we would use the word curtain. Some scholars tell us at the time of Jesus' death, because of the way Herod's temple was constructed, that this veil that separated this holy place from the Holy of Holies, that this veil was some 60 feet high and four inches thick. Some traditions say this, that if the curtain became soiled and had to be cleaned, that the curtain was so heavy and it was so massive that it took 300 priests to actually handle this curtain because of its size. Now that's important. Under the, whole, under the, uh, under the law, only the priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies. And that once a year. But when Christ died on the cross of Calvary, the Bible says that veil, 60 feet high, at least, we don't know exactly, but at least we believe four inches thick, woven four inches thick. When Jesus died on the cross, that veil, the Bible says, was rent in twain. By the way, something that could not have been humanly done. And, and, and by the way, this is just another interesting note. It was not ripped from the bottom to the top. It was ripped from the top to the bottom. And what that signified was this. It was a sign that all who come through the blood of Jesus Christ can now have access into the presence of God. Now, before only the priest, only the high priest could enter that place, and that once a year, and he had to come with the blood. If he didn't come without the blood, he couldn't go in. But he had to come with the blood. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, that veil was rent in twain. It was rent in two pieces. And it was a sign that all of us who have now been born again by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus, by the way, there is no other way. Thank God now we are able as priests, as New Testament priests, we are now able to enter into that access where the glory is, where the Shekinah glory is. And so somebody says, Pastor, well, I've got a, I've got a need, I've got a burden. Do you think I ought to take my burden to the priest? You don't have to take your burden to a priest. You don't have to take your burden to a pastor. You don't have to take your burden to an evangelist. I'm glad the veil has been rent in twain. If you're here tonight and you've been born again, you're a, you're, you're a part of the family of God. God, through Jesus Christ, has given you access to enter into that holy of holies where God is and you can walk with him and you can talk with him and you can fellowship with him and you can sing to him and you can love on him. And by the way, by the way, here's the great thing. He wants you to come in. 
And by the way, you'll only come through the blood. You won't come in through your good works. You won't come in through your church membership. You won't come in through your baptism. You'll only come in if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and his finished work on Calvary's cross. Now, here's the the interesting thing. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you and I are made priests of God. We become a New Testament priest. We now have access to the throne of God. And by the way, what an awesome access. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, verse number 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, what are you saying, pastor? This is what I'm saying. Had Jesus not died, we could not enter into that place. Had Jesus not suffered on Calvary's cross, there was no way we could talk to a holy God. We could not be reconciled to a holy God. We could not enter into his presence. We could not fellowship with him. But hallelujah for the day that Jesus Christ washed my sins away. And when Jesus washed my sins away, he took my hand and brought my hand to God's hand and he reconciled me through his blood. And now I am, you're looking at a bona fide New Testament priest by the way if you are saved I'm looking at a bona fide New Testament priest that's pretty special the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 verse number 6 and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen Revelation 5.10, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Revelation chapter 20, verse number six, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So you are, if you're saved tonight, how many are saved? Amen, how many are saved? All right, all right, you priests, you priests. I've got some good news. As a New Testament priest, you now have access into the presence of the Lord. I would ask you this. Have you taken advantage of it? Are you walking with him? Are you talking with him on a regular basis? Are you fellowshipping with him? Are you spending time in the word of God? Are you spending time in prayer Are you you walking with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you cultivating a walk with the Lord? And so we are New Testament priests. Now, as New Testament priests, I'm gonna give you tonight, and I believe there are three spiritual sacrifices that the priest is supposed to offer. Just as he did back in the Old Testament days, that priest would offer a sacrifice. Well, we are New Testament priests. And because we're New Testament priests, there are also some spiritual sacrifices that you and I in this day and time are to offer to the Lord. And I wanna give those three to you tonight if I could. How about this? Number one, as a New Testament priest, he is to offer, first of all, his physical body. Now, stay with me tonight. Take your Bibles, if you will, tonight and turn over to Romans chapter 12. And verse number one, Romans chapter 12 and verse number one. And notice what the apostle Paul says. Now you say, pastor, I'm not following you. Hang on, you'll follow me. You'll follow me in just a moment. 
Romans chapter 12 and verse number one. Notice what the Spirit of God tells us here. Romans chapter 12, verse number one. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, what's the word? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, by the way, which is your reasonable service. God's not asking more than he should, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You don't have to turn, I'll read it for you. First John 3, verse number 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And so listen to this now. The priest was instructed to, first of all, separate his body from certain things. The Old Testament priest was not allowed just to live any way. The Old Testament priest was not allowed just to do anything he wanted. Why? Because he was a priest. He was called to the priesthood. He was an ordained priest. And so because of that, there was a certain standard of living. The priest, for instance, the priest was not allowed to touch a dead body. Now, again, some of this is under the law. We don't understand necessarily all these things, but God, God has a perfect word and a perfect plan. And so God, God said to that, that Old Testament priest, I don't want you to touch a dead body. Also, that Old Testament priest was not to have anything to do with a prostitute. That Old Testament priest was not to come in contact with a grave. And the idea was this, that, that, that God said, listen, you are my priest. And because you're a priest, I don't want you to get involved in anything that's going to make you unclean. Amen. And so make sure that you keep yourself clean in the same way, biblically speaking. Did you know there's some things as New Testament priests, there are some things we all separate from. Now, I promise you, I'm not meddling tonight. I'm preaching the Bible tonight. Now, if you're not a priest, then it's different. But if you're sitting here tonight and you're born again and you're a New Testament priest, then there are some things that you and I ought to separate from. Take your Bibles, using our Bibles tonight. Take your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number six. Uh, tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter number six. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 14. And just give me a little grace. A lot of new Christians in here tonight. Uh, that maybe have never even seen this scripture before. And so 2 Corinthians chapter number six in your Bibles. And look, if you will, at verse number 14. And God gives us a very stern admonition here as New Testament priests. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, he says this, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness. Now, listen a minute. This is a little bit off, off, off course, but, but I, I feel like it'd be a good time to say this. So uh, sometimes people come and they'll say, Pastor, we want to do premarital counseling. We're getting ready to get married. We'd like you to counsel with us. And they'll come in for counseling. And you can ask any couple that I have counseled in this church tonight. Very first question we're gonna, we're gonna cover is this. Number one, are you both saved? Have you both been born again? And from time to time, I'll have a couple and one or the other will say, well, pastor, I've been saved. But the other will say, preacher, I'm not saved. And I have to say to them very kindly, but I have to say to them, there's no way I can marry you 
until we know for sure that both of you are saved. Because the Bible says we're not to be yoked together with unbelievers. By the way, a marriage is a yoke. And so we're not to be yoked together with unbelievers. Listen, if you're saved, you ought to date saved people. You ought to court saved people. By the way, you ought to marry saved people. And so the Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch it's not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now listen, listen, listen to me, Calvary. Uh, truth is, there's a, a, there's a teaching going on around right now that says that if you're, uh, if you're saved, that's great, but if you're saved, you can still live any way you want to. And then there's another doctrine that's going around that says this, that the church ought to just be blending in with the world. Now there's only one major problem with that. It's not in the word of God. That's not what that is not. That is absolutely contrary to the word of God. And so the priest was to be separated in his lifestyle. But I wrote this down. Give me some grace now, church. Y'all hang on with me. The priest was also instructed to dress his body a certain way. Leviticus chapter 21, if you want to turn there, you can. You don't have to. Leviticus chapter 21, verse number 10 says it like this. And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. And so the priest was to have a certain look. As a New Testament priest, we too have a responsibility to separate our bodies from certain things and to dress our bodies in certain ways. Now, here's the thing, and I know this, I know this is true. Anytime you say, you, you can't even say, thing about things, say things about dress anymore. If you say anything about dress, anything about appearance, then they label you as legalistic. Don't go down to that legalistic church, bunch of legalists down there. And I want you to understand something tonight. We are not legalists. We're not preaching legalism. Legalism is adding something to the doctrine of salvation. We are not adding anything to the doctrine of salvation tonight. But I'm just saying this. You know what, church? We either is a priest or we ain't one. And according to Scripture, if I'm reading this right, and and I know that I am, if we're reading this right, you and I are New Testament priests. If you mention the word separation, you're preaching legalism. Now, let me, let me insert a little something real, here real quick. I understand that we're ministering to a lot of people who aren't priests. So that means when a non-priest walks in and they're not dressed a certain way, you shouldn't walk over to them like some kind of a Pharisee. Right, and say, you're not welcome here because of the way you're dressed. Everybody's welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. Regardless of the way they're dressed, they're welcome at Calvary. And by the way, that's true. Isn't that true? That's true. And so if somebody walks in 
and they're tattooed up from head to, t- head to foot and, and man, they've got tattoos all over them. Although that is not my preference, that's not the way uh, that, that, that I would do it. It's not the way that I would want my kids to do it. Uh, they're welcome here at that's Calvary right. Baptist Church. Yes, and somebody walks in and, and they're the poorest of the poor and you can tell they don't have very nice clothes and maybe their shoes have holes in them and, uh, and maybe they don't have a lot of shoes. Maybe they've got one pair of shoes Maybe they've got one pair of slacks. They don't have a lot. And they walk into Calvary Baptist Church. How many know this? That they are welcome here. They're welcome. And by the way, we ought to do everything in our power to make every single person regardless. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what color their skin is. I don't care what their clothes look like. We ought to do our best to make everybody feel welcome to this church. But we're preaching to priests tonight. We're, we're trying to, listen, we're trying to help, we're trying to help the priest tonight. The priest was to live a certain way. The priest was required to meet a certain dress standard. Now think about this. His body and that which he wore stood out from the rest of the crowd. They knew he was a priest, not only by what he did, but they knew he was a priest by the way He looked. Now, if you don't believe that, study it out for yourself. When the priest walked through, you knew who it was because he did not look, at least his outward appearance, did not look like everybody else. People say, well, preacher, didn't you know? Pastor, you must have missed this the other day. Didn't you know that God is only concerned about the inside? He is not a bit concerned about the outside. And that's, that's, people are saying that all over the place. But the truth of the matter is, church, that is not right. Amen. It's not true. Now, the Bible does say that God looketh on the heart uh, and man looks on the outside. But uh, listen to me, God is concerned about the way you look. Take your Bibles today and turn over to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. And so for all of those folks who say, well, God doesn't care about the outside. God does not care. God only cares about the inside, okay? Well, let's see what the Lord says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19, Paul says, what? Know you not that your, what's the word? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify, okay, let me, let me read it like this, if, if, see if this is the way your Bible reads. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's. Is that how your Bible reads? I hope it doesn't. Because if it does, you haven't got the right kind of Bible. The Bible says, therefore, glorify God, number one, in your body, and number two, in your spirit. By the way, which are, they're both gods. Your spirit, your inside, yes, is very important to the Lord. He wants your heart to be right. He wants your spirit to be right. Uh, uh, he, wants, he wants the inside to be right. But God is saying this, but I also want your outside to be right. And by the way, how many know this? That your outside is usually a reflection of your inside. 
And so if your inside is right, normally your outside is also going to be right. In fact, in fact, James said it like this. How are people going to know that you have faith if your outward viewable works are invisible? James chapter two, verse number 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. James 2, 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now again, church, we're gonna get off this point and we're, we're not gonna be long with the other ones, but listen to me now. Let me, let me help us tonight. As your pastor that loves you very much, and as your pastor that's willing to, to, to take a chance and teach on something that maybe some would not. As a New Testament priest, we have a responsibility, yes, to keep our inside right. But as a New Testament priest, we also have a responsibility to keep our outside right. Yes, and to make sure that we look like we're not just a priest inside, but we look like a priest on the outside. By the way, how many know this? That it wasn't always convenient or comfortable for the priest to wear those priestly garments. They were in the desert. Have you ever seen what, a, what an Old Testament priest wore? It was a lot. You know how hot it gets in, in Israel in the summertime in the desert, 120 degrees. I'm sure that some of those priests went to the Lord and said, Lord, but this isn't convenient. Lord, I, I, Lord, this is not the trend. Lord, this is not the style. Lord, it's hot out here. Lord, if I have to wear all this stuff, I mean, my goodness, this is inconvenient. But I noticed that God never gave them an exception clause. God said, you are a priest. This is what you're to wear. You're to look different on the inside. You're to look different on the outside. And you're to, you're to have the appearance of a priest. As a New Testament priest, it's not always convenient to follow after the ways of Christ. But we should be careful about our outward appearance. Now, this is what I believe the Bible teaches. I believe that male New Testament priests should be very careful about their hair. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, the Bible says, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him? Now, wait a minute, said Pastor. Somebody walks in this church, they've got long hair. Are they welcome? Absolutely welcome. We're going to shake their hand. We're going to love on them. We're going to pray for them. We're going we're to support them. But I'm talking to priests tonight. I'm talking to folks that have been called into the priesthood. And as a New Testament priest, uh, you fellas, as a New Testament priest, you ought to look different. Amen. Amen. And I'll be glad to amen myself tonight too. Amen. You ought to look different than the other guys you work with. I'm not saying weird. I'm not saying fanatical. I'm just saying that as a New Testament priest, there ought to be something different about you on the inside. There ought to be something different about you on the outside. And when people look at you, they ought to say, man, I don't know necessarily what it is, but there's something different about that man. But wait a minute. As a, fe a female, as a female New Testament priest, I believe, ladies, you ought to be careful about your modesty. First yes, Timothy chapter two, verse number nine, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. 
Uh, listen, God has made your body, God's made your body beautiful. Women are supposed to be beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. That's what it's supposed to be. When you think about beautiful, you don't think about Brother Ricky and I. I mean, you don't. When you find, you know, you find gorgeous in the dictionary, you think, oh, yeah, Brother Ricky, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's preacher. Yeah, preacher. No, you don't think about that. Men are not designed like that. We're not constructed. We're not created like that. But ladies are created to be beautiful. They're a gem. They're a jewel. They're, they're something wonderful that God has created. But here's the thing, ladies. You have to be very careful as a New Testament priest, a, a, a female priest. You have to be very, very careful that, you, that, that you're careful about your, about your appearance. You don't want to do anything that's going to that's gonna cause someone to have the wrong kind of thoughts. You don't, have, you, know, you don't want to dress with anything where people would say, well, boy, evidently she must not go to church anywhere. Now, if a lady walks in this church and she's not modestly dressed, is she, this is, I told you it's going to be Mature 101 tonight. If a lady walks into this church and she's not modestly dressed, is she welcome here? She's just as welcome as I am. And we're going to love her and we're going to welcome her and we're going to pray for her and we're going to try to love her to Jesus and, 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 and she's sincerely welcome. But I'm talking to priests. You've been ordained a priest. You've been called a priest. If you accepted Jesus Christ, you are a New Testament priest tonight. And because of that, we are to sacrifice our physical body. Amen. Amen. And so for all those who are criticizing right now, uh, on the live stream or those who may criticize and say, boy, I don't think you ought to preach that. Listen to my dear friend. Uh, I believe there ought to be something different about the child of God than, than the world is. Why? Because we are a priest. Now listen, if you're not a priest, it's different. If you're not a priest, you dress any way you want. If you're not a priest, dress like the world. Hey, preacher, if you're not a priest... Then come to church in uh, Bermudas and flip-flops. But if you're a priest, come to church looking like a preacher. If we are priests, we, we, are to, we are to sacrifice our physical body. But preacher, but preacher. It's not convenient, but preacher, everybody's not doing it. But preacher, it's not the trend. But preacher, it's not the style. But God never gave the priest an option. He just said, you're a priest. This is the way I want you to dress. And as a New Testament priest, we're to sacrifice our physical body. Now, we're going to be short with these other two. How about this? Number, number next is this. He was to sacrifice his perfected praise. Look at Hebrews 13, uh, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15. The Bible says there, by him, therefore, let us, who's he talking about? He's talking about priests. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And I think the key word there, too, is continually. We ought to be praising God continually. We ought to be praising God in the good times. We ought to be praising God in the bad times. And here's the thing. Regardless of what is going on in your life, he is worthy of praise all the time. 
And so if it is pouring down rain outside, he is worthy of praise. And if it's sunshiny and, and 78 degrees, he is worthy of praise. And the Bible says as a New Testament priest, we're to offer that sacrifice of praise continually to the Lord. And people say, what is your problem? What is wrong with you? I mean, uh, 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 didn't you see what happened in the election? Aren't you watching the news? Haven't you seen how the world is going? What is your deal? And you say, I am a priest. And I'm to offer the sacrifice of praise. By the way, notice this. It is the fruit of the lips. It's the fruit of the lips. You know what that means? It's not enough just to think of what you're thankful for. It is the fruit of the lips. You're to be telling what you're thankful for. It's not enough to say, well, yeah, I praise him. No, you gotta praise him. Man, you gotta offer that sacrifice. It's not enough to think about bringing the lamb. It's not enough to think about taking the blood in, man. You gotta do it. (laughs) And it's not enough just to say, well, you know what, one of these days I'm gonna praise him. Man, you gotta praise him now. You're a New Testament priest. And you're to be offering that sacrifice of praise. You've you've heard this story many times, I know. But they were having a conference at a Presbyterian church in Omaha, Nebraska. And because they were were Presbyterian, this is sad, because they were Presbyterian, they didn't believe that you could say hallelujah in a service or glory or, or amen. And so that big conference place was packed out. And so as folks came in, they were handing the people helium balloons. And they said this, they said, now as the service goes on and when you really feel your heart is full and you're thankful and God really speaks to your heart during the service, just let your balloon go. And so while the service was going on, sure enough, people were letting their balloons go. But they said that when they got to the end of the service, that one third of the crowd was still holding on to their balloon. And you know what, Calvary? There's a lot of Christians that are holding on to their balloon today. Let your balloon go. He's worthy of praise. You say, but but pastor, uh, uh, the motor blew up this week. He's still worthy of praise. Well, you say, preacher, my, my roof's leaking. He's still worthy of praise. Well, you say, pastor, I don't have enough money to pay my bills. He's still worthy of praise. I'm telling you what, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He reached way down and saved my unworthy soul. Hey, he is always worthy of praise. And as New Testament priests were to take that sacrifice, and we're to bring it in. And we're to offer that sacrifice and say, Lord, you are so good. You are so great. You are so generous. You are so gracious. You are so God. You're my glory. You're holy. You're infinite. You're immutable. You're just. You're the justifier of my sins. Uh, Lord, you're King of kings and Lord of lords. You're the last. You're long suffering. You're merciful, you're mighty, you're majesty, you're majestic, you're noble, you're needful to me, you're never ending. Lord, you're omniscient, you're omnipresent, you're omnipotent, Lord, you're powerful. Lord, you're precious, Lord, you're present. Oh, Lord, you you deserve the preeminence, Lord. You're quick, you're qualified, you're quality. I wanna thank you for the quiet, still voice of the Holy Ghost. Hey, Lord, you're right, you're royal, you're regal, you're righteous, you're righteousness. Hey, God, you're significant. 
significant. You're supreme. You're sacred. You're my savior. You're, you're truth and you're, you're triumph and you're trustworthy and you're understanding and you're unending and you're unmoved and you're unchanged and you're never undone and you're always undefeated and you're most certainly underestimated and without a doubt undervalued and hey, you're worthy and you're the word of God and you're the way, the truth, and the life and you're the wonder of wonders. You're excellent. You're altogether lovely and you are the zenith of all. That is great. Hey, he's worthy of our praise. You say, Pastor, performance? No. He's worthy. He's worthy. And as a New Testament priest, it has now become my responsibility to offer the sacrifice of praise. And it's not enough just to think it. I'm supposed to speak it. It's supposed to be the fruit of my lips. Lord, you're great. Hey, when's the last time you just had a little time and you just praised him and thanked him for all that he is and all that he's done? And so, listen to me. We're to, we're, uh, we're to offer, number one, the New Testament priest is to offer his physical body. The New Testament priest is to offer his perfected praise. We're done. But last of all, we notice that he is to offer his personal participation. Now you're in Hebrews, I think, so turn to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse number 16. The Bible says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Did you know tonight, Calvary, that as a New Testament priest, God saved you and I to get involved, to be busy. We're done. Wheels are on the runway, I promise. But I'm telling us, God didn't save you to sit. And you go back and check your Bible, Old Testament priests did not sit. The life of a priest was an active life. They were busy. They were involved. There was a lot involved in the sacrifice. It had to be exactly right, exactly to God's demands. There was no cutting corners. There was no saying, well, we're, we're, we're going to bypass this and do it. Our no, no, no. When you, when you bypass the demands of the Lord, you end up like Uzzah. And so the life of the priest was a very active life. It was, very, it was a very busy life. And understand that if you're not a priest, then go play golf on Sunday. If you're not a priest, get your bass boat hooked up and head to the lake on Sunday. And by the way, I'm really not endorsing that. But I'm just saying that's the way the world thinks. It's Sunday. It's golf day. It's Sunday. It's bass fishing day. It's Sunday. It's football day. Or it's Sunday. It's my only day to rest. Okay. If you're not a priest, I get it. But if you're here tonight and you're saved and you're a priest... God saved you to get involved. I read this this week. I was reading about all the different taters who are attending the church. The different taters. I wonder if you're a tater tonight. Well, you'll say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, first of all, I notice there's imitators that attend the church. 
By the way, that's not all bad. But these folks are good at imitating. It's not necessarily what they're really thinking or feeling, but they're good at imitating. Then there's not only imitators, but there's hesitators. Uh, One of these days, I'm going to get involved. One of these days, I'm going to get busy. One of these days, I'm going to get dedicated. One of these days, I'm going to rededicate my life. One of these days, I'm going to sing in the choir. One of these days, I'm going to help with the hospitality. One of these days, I'm I'm going to sing. And then there's rotators. Rotators are in and out, here and there, up and down. Never know when they'll be there. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. Sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're sad. Rotators. And then there are dictators. There are those in the church who feel like they have to call all the shots. They have to be involved in every single decision. And when the, when the church buys toilet paper, they want to know what brand. And they want to know where you got it from. And who got it? And which grocery store did you go to? And which chain did you use? And I want to say, who cares? But anyway. But there's not only imitators and hesitators and rotators and dictators, but then we know there's agitators. Those who love to see people upset about trivial things, things that don't matter, and yet they love to, they love to agitate. Then there's meditators. There's those who overthink things possibly way, way too much. And then in every church, there are rotten taters. They mean nothing but trouble. They don't mind killing the spirit of a service. We might as well tell it like it is tonight. And then there are irritators. Those who love to cause irritation between church members. And then every church has got commentators. They just want to talk about things. They don't want to do it. They don't mind criticizing it. But I want to ask them a question. Where was you? Well, the choir wasn't really on it today. Where was you? Well, the church doesn't look exactly like I want it to look. Where was you? There's not only commentators, but they're spectators. They just want to watch. And then there are some sweet taters. And they're just sweet all the time. But you know what we need, Calvary? We need some participators. We don't need taters. We need some paters. Amen. You say, that's the most shallow preaching I've ever heard. You say what you want, but you won't forget it. We need some New Testament priests at Calvary Baptist Church who will say, God didn't call me to sit. God called me to serve. And by the way, it don't matter what I'm doing. God called me to serve. So I can vacuum, I can speak, I can sing in the choir, I can run a soundboard, I can turn the lights on and off, I can straighten the chairs. I can dust the piano. I can help in a children's church. It doesn't matter what I do. I just, as a New Testament priest, I need to be involved. I need to be involved. Now, listen, regardless of where you fall tonight with this message, and I know this is not politically correct and it's not popular preaching anymore, 
But regardless of that, the fact still remains. If you're here tonight and you're saved, you're a priest. God has made you a priest. And the priest did not just blend in with the rest of the world. You listened great tonight, and I appreciate that very much. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, you've called us as priests. When that veil was rent in twain, you gave to us access into the holy of holies, into the throne room of God. God, you made us priests. And you gave us that wonderful access. Father, I knew tonight before I came, the message was not a rip snorter. It was not something that folks are going to shout about a lot. And it's not a message that I preach all the time, but it's a message that I need to preach occasionally. Father, I pray that you'd help us as New Testament priests in 2021. Help us to live above reproach. God, may there be something different in my life because I'm a priest. And God, I pray tonight that you'd give us some New Testament priests at Calvary Baptist Church who would maybe in just a moment make their way to an old-fashioned altar and dedicate their priesthood or maybe rededicate their life to the Savior that redeemed them. Lord, if there's any here this evening that are lost and undone without Jesus, I pray that they'll get saved tonight. Have your way in the invitation, and we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I know I'll probably preach too long tonight.